Hello, and welcome to a bonus episode. This podcast was originally recorded on Trans Talk Raw, which is hosted by Nikki Marie Dawn and Terry Allen over in the States and Canada. So all credit to them and the great work they're doing for the transgender community. So off we go then. Yeah, you. Put the headphones in and crank it. You're listening to Trans Talk Raw. I'm the Snow Queen from the North, Nikki Marie Dawn, and I'm with my co-host, the hot blonde geologist, Terry Allen. We're a couple of trans survivors, rocking the airways, bringing you our lived experiences, opinions, and a ton of info about being transgender. This is episode 63, and we're interviewing Vicki Hodges from England. This lady is a real standout. With all the work that she does in her organization, moving the LGBTQ department forward, working to higher rankings on the Stonewall 100 list. She's an aerospace engineer and has a very powerful story about her transition. Now let's get the flight suits on and hear the engines roar. But y'all have the northern extension of the Appalachians in England, so... Yeah. Once upon a time, we were joined. <laughs> Many years ago. Many years ago. Yeah. Same same formation, same structure. I'm a geologist, by the way. So. Are you? I, uh, really, I didn't yeah. know. I uh, drop things like that into our discussion every now and then. She likes to talk about rocks. I like rocks. They're pretty. Okay. She likes to talk yeah, about diamonds, rocks. Diamonds are to, just really pretty rocks, you know. Diamonds she likes are really, to really pretty rocks. rocks. Okay. Gold, gold is just really pretty rock. Oh, uh-huh. All right. <clears throat> Get ready for Are the Are you started this meeting yet? What? Yeah, we, are we ready? I'm ready. Says, says live. Says we're live on Facebook. Of course, we're not there start, yet. I, ah, I start this that. fucking shit whenever I decide to start it. We're, we're happening. We it, are happening now. Yeah, just, just start whenever you want. You don't, you we, are live, we are live to the masses. So we're we are already live. a little live on oh, Facebook sorry. at the top yeah, of the you, you get to go like this and say hi and all of that sort of shit and everything. So anyway, everybody. <laughs> make welcome. it official, Nikki. Make it official. Okay, make it official. Okay, should I make it official? Yes, I'll make it yeah. official. Um, welcome everybody to Trans Talk Raw. Uh, our morning Saturday edition, as always, uh, on Facebook Live, and you can listen to us on uh, our podcast on Anchor. Um, today, we are fortunate to have the lovely Vicky Hodges with us, who Woo-hoo! is on the other side of the pond. Yeah. Uh, so uh, fantastic to have you here. Um, we, uh, I've known Vicky for actually quite a while. Uh, I don't know how many years, I think it's been a few years. Anyway. I think it's about three, three or four years now, I think. God, it's crazy. How yeah, I, I know, time really flies. You know, it's, it's a real strange coincidence, but today is my two year anniversary for HRT. Well, really? congratulations. That's Yay. Awesome. Big, big Happy anniversary. That's fantastic. He, he does a, a body good, a, not to mention the mind. Mm. Yeah, it's just a real strange coincidence that I have not spoken to Nikki for a while. And then today just happens to be the anniversary when we're doing this. So, yeah. Perfect timing. Perfect, Perfect timing. No coincidence. The universe has spoken and we're going yes. with it. Okay. So Indeed. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with that. Oh, gosh. Yes, so anyway, the universe, well, the universe has spoken. The universe has yes. spoken. So 
anyway, uh, Vicky, so why don't we start out with, uh, you know, very first question that we always have for every person that we interview is, how did you come up with your name? Your name? How did you, Vicky? Oh, where did Vicky how did that develop? Well, it wasn't actually the first name I chose. Um, there's no real background story to where the name came from. It was just, it's a name I've always liked. There's two names I've always liked, Vicky and Elizabeth. So I had, I chose both. So it's Vicky oh. Elizabeth Hodges, so that's the middle name. But there's no real story as to why I chose that. Um, it's just the name I like. There's no kind of reason. It's nothing to do with being royal or anything like that, you know. It's um, just, just the name I like. That's pretty much it. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, so long as you enjoy no, it. No Go family it. connection, no great yeah. aunt. No, there's no, there's no big family with the name. There's nothing like that. With that name. So it's like it's a, it's a name that doesn't really associate with anything, which is kind of a good reason to use it, I suppose. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you're no, not pissing off a family member that's yeah. you, know, you decide to name yourself after them. And, you know, exactly, right. yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're, we're curious, obviously, and uh, now that we're past the big lead question here, um, why don't you give us a little bit of background as to um, when you first started to notice and realize who you truly were, like when you think back in your past and how that kind of developed and when was that? And... Well, I mean, it really first started to show when I was probably 10 or 11, where I was, you know, experimenting with clothing, should we say, and... You know, back in this is back in the sixties, seventies. You know, back in those days, there was no words to really explain what this was. You know, I mean, other than transsexual, yeah, but, or transvestite. You know, those were the two words the, back then. Yeah, but you know, as a living in the UK in the sixties, seventies, as a kid, you never really heard about those kind of things. It wasn't really until, I would say. 90s that you would start to mm-hmm. hear about those kind of words being used in the press and stuff. What, what about so, Jan Morris? Were you aware of Jan Morris back then? Not then, no. I am not now. I have recently bought her book. Um, can't remember the name of it. Because um, she she just passed away. Uh, she did a couple of a weeks month or so ago. ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. No. yeah she yeah, she, she was one of the, the first trans people I knew of. Um, yeah, back in the I, 70s. I mean, I didn't know about her at the time. Mm-hmm. It's only recently that I've learned about her. Really? But yeah, I mean, she she was a travel writer, wasn't she? She, I think she reported on the first um, Mount Everest. Expedition. Well, she was she was actually part of the first expedition. Um, yeah. Uh, what, what was Edmund Hillary? Yeah, Edmund Hillary. Yeah. yeah. Yep. She she was part of that and actually. Uh, was the journalist, re- you know, reporting on it and everything? Yeah, um, which is which yeah. is actually really cool. Before she transitioned, before yeah, she transitioned, which is really cool. So, mm-hmm. so Vicky, where were you at ten? What were? Give us an so, idea of location and and uh, yeah, I was living in uh, Manchester area, okay, UK, in a little village called uh, Romley near Stockport. So, yeah, with my brother and sister, mum and dad, living in a little house. Three bed semi house, and uh, yeah, I mean that's where that's where I lived until I was. I think I bought my first house when I was twenty one. I moved out when I was in my twenties, and um, yeah, so it's you know it's it goes right right back to childhood with me. And so who who transed you? 
back then? Who trans? Yeah, who who I mean, gave you that's, your trans that's cooties? The, who, you know, the thing about the trans kids <laughs> today is like somebody somebody trans them or they they're being yeah, trans. I mean, yeah, so who, nobody really who trans you? Trans. Can you can you speak to that myth? I trans myself, I guess. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, nobody, nobody influenced me like that at mm-hmm. all. It was—it's just something within yourself that you, mm-hmm. you know, you, you you don't know how to deal with it when you're a ch- when you're a child, mm-hmm. and then as you as you're growing up, going through your teens, you know, there's nobody around you who's in a similar situation. So I mean, it's just not something that you talk about back in those days. Mm-hmm. It was suppressed, know. Mm-hmm. you know, totally suppressed in my mm-hmm. experience, um, all the way through my teens, young adult, all completely suppressed. I mean, I didn't really get to grips with it until I was in my fifties, really. To be honest, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I'm a late, a late transitioner, as they say. But, um, well, you know, look, look at us. I mean, that was yeah. late forties when I began to have to deal with it because it became too severe right. to repress. It's, and a, and it's a lifetime with. of suppressing how you feel and living a double life, really. Yeah. You know, even even being married twice and. In other relationships too, you know, it's suppressed throughout all that time. Nobody knew, except me. And I would, mm-hmm. you know, I would have a really leading a secret double life where, if I'm in the house on my own, I would be dressed, you know, in <laughs> girls' clothing and stuff, you know. So mm-hmm. it was a, yeah, a real big secret. Never came yep. out to anybody. How did you? How did you feel that you managed it? I don't think I managed it very well at all. I think I think it came out in me being frustrated about things, you know, it manifested itself as, I, I've always been a very quiet person, and a bit kind of withdrawn, especially when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how it manifested itself. It's not until recently that I've been able to be myself and, you know, not worry about those things anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you really, I don't think, you don't realize you're doing it at the time, but you do suppress it and, there are lots of consequences of that. You know, you've got all kinds of things in your life which help the suppression, such as religion, you know, the whole, everything that's going on in society kind of suppresses it within you. There's no, there's no escape. There's no kind of... There's no, there's no, there's no win-win in coming no, out, no speaking to somebody. No. So just curious. How... You know, and then the, the other thing is, I think you have, to be, you have to be ready within yourself and you have to do it at the right time for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it too soon, you know, your circumstances may not be appropriate. Yeah. You know, no, no, I, we, we I, all transition yeah. when, we, when we need to. Yep. <clears throat> How did Pretty you manage so. it, Vicky? Like, was it really stressful um, in your thought processes and stuff like that? Like, you said that you kind of didn't, didn't really realize it, but, like, did you, did you know... Uh, you know, how did you deal with that? Or did you just kind of, you know, go through life and not understanding what was going on and didn't really realize it? Or like, how did you deal with it? I think, uh, you know, suppression was the big thing for me and uh, just denial, self-denial, denial. I went through periods of where I was, you know, I was actively being myself when I was on my own at home. And then I'd go through periods where I just totally deny it I'd throw everything out I'd purge everything mm-hmm. I did I went through several cycles of that purge 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 again yeah loads yeah, and loads fine. of times I must have yeah, spent a fortune on things then throwing them away and <laughs> buy them again you know 
Yeah, and then you, mm. I guess you're dealing with the guilt. It's like a guilt. It's not. I mean, yeah. There's nothing to be guilty about, mm. but it's like a guilt. It is like oh, a guilt. It, it really is. is. You're, yeah. you're trying to repress it, trying to overcome it, trying to mitigate it in every yeah. shape, form, or possibility. Guess, did you did you research it a lot? I did a lot. Any any library I was in, I was looking up transsexualism, transsexual. Those were the primary categories that we were listed under. Transgender <clears> wasn't even yeah. a thing until like. As you said, the nineties. Did did you try to figure out really, why of it? You no, know, no. I don't think I really tried tried to investigate and you know look into it that much. Um, not until I I, w- I was back in the UK in 2010. That's really when I started to think about seriously, you know, doing something about this and changing my life. Mm-hmm. You know, because did, did you know the name? Did you know the labels no, at all? Not no. really. Not really. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 95 when I actually left the UK and went to Canada first time. I was going for a one-year work contract, which ended up being 15 years. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I lived in yeah, I lived in various different cities in was Canada. A little extended, a little extended. Yeah, it just kept going and going and going. <laughs> you know, these things kind of just keep going. I mean, so you know, I lived in Toronto for a few years, Montreal and Vancouver. And then from there, I'd, uh, I went over to Seattle, worked there for a while, and from there down to Miami, and then came back to the UK in 2010. So, mm-hmm. you know, during that whole period, any thoughts of transition for me would have been extremely difficult to actually put into practice because I'm a foreigner in a foreign country mm-hmm. with, with all, just the work visa and no real access to any kind of med- medical assistance that, that, would, that would might, might need. Other than you can you can access the medical system in Canada while you were there at all. Yeah, I could in Canada I could, um, but it was all kind of, you know, I was I was still a foreign worker. Right. It wasn't until I left Canada and went to work in the states that I actually got my Canadian citizenship. So I was only a Canadian citizen for one day in Canada. Strangely enough, I know that sounds weird, but that's how it worked out. <laughs> One day. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. so then I'm then I'm living, then I'm working in the US as a Canadian with my Canadian passport, and you know, but I'm working under a visa, so I have health insurance through my um, private kind of, you know, you buy it yourself. But I was working as a contractor for many years, so it's not being provided by the company I'm working for. You know, I was paying for it myself, so it's quite expensive. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, a lot of times it wouldn't cover this kind of thing anyway. And then when I moved down to Miami, I was working for a company that it wasn't contract anymore. It was a full-time employment basis. And their health um, insurance didn't cover it. So it was just kind of a, a no, a non-starter, really, to transition during that time I was out of the U.K., Mm-hmm. Plus, I was married and divorced twice during that period. Right. So, you know, it was just like it just wasn't the right time for me. I couldn't, I couldn't find a way to do it. Even did, though I was did still, your did your first wife know about you? No, no, neither wife knew. I, I was, I, neither one. Yeah, I would. I'd be curious to know. Um, how do you think this affected your relationships with your wives? Yeah, I'm sure it had a big negative effect. I'm absolutely convinced about that. You know, because you're hiding something within yourself, you're leading a double life, and you know you're basically not being honest with the other person. So, yeah, 
things will begin to kind of mm-hmm. wear down in that relationship. You know, there was a lot, there was lots of kind of problems that were kind of related to the fact that I was trans, but I couldn't explain them. You know, so yeah, I think it kind of, you know, it breaks down the relationship over time. Yeah. You know, my, my first marriage was nine years. My second marriage was six months. Oh God! So, yeah. Well, you yeah, can't. You, you can, can never share your your, your entire trueness, person. Yeah. You're always no. either a facsimile think, thereof or just a piece yeah. of you. But you're never never whole. I mean, had I been able to share what was going on with me with one of those wives, well, maybe it would have been a different outcome. You know, it would have been mm-hmm. who, knows? Yeah. Yeah. who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, yeah. Um, so. I, I ask this only because I know for a fact that, you know, Terry and I have talked about this before, too, and everything, and it just really depends. Then um, it's a, kind of a personal question. You don't have to go into too much detail, but I'm just curious. How do you think you it affected your sexuality with your wives? Well, I mean, you know, sex is sex. It's still enjoyable. You know, so um, I don't sex think it really... <laughs> I don't think it really affected me too much I mean yeah there wasn't really any problems associated with sex as such right it was it's more of a kind of a personal like who who am I thing rather than you know right sexuality yeah see I think when, and the reason why I asked that is because obviously with myself I felt that I felt uncomfortable about it because yeah. I, I was people do you know, I, because it wasn't who I truly was. Oh, and yeah. I felt yeah. that the only reason why I was doing the act was to uh, live the false life that I was living and that I felt that I needed to do that in order to be able to, you know, pleasure the person that I was with in that regard, right? Um, mm-hmm. So it was something that was very, very, you know, and that's why I asked that question. Um, you know, I didn't really like sex. I, I think... Um, it was something that it was, it, it felt is that it was more just a thing that I had to do instead of actually going through and enjoying it completely. Uh, well, I, I enjoyed sex as, yeah. a, as a guy, not, it's not how I wanted to have sex. I would prefer to have sex as a woman, frankly. Mm-hmm. And that was always um, somewhat of a barrier to enjoying it completely, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I mean sex a, was still good, as you said, Vicky. Sex is sex. Yeah. <laughs> sex is sex. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's weird too because obviously, um, you know, and it's. I mean, I've mentioned it numerous times before. I mean, I am bisexual, and I have had uh, relations with both sexes, um, and I felt actually truly more comfortable with men, only because of the fact that I was I would always play the female side of it, even though I wasn't, but I played that side of it because that's what I felt most comfortable with. So Do you think sad. you're more straight now, Nikki? Um, Have you, yeah. has, your, has your ticker moved along well, that would, little spectrum line more to straight than well, by? For me, I? For me, the only way, I, you know, I've described this before, I kind of enjoy the buffet table, okay? I get to go and enjoy <laughs> anything that I want there, right? And it still is that way. But so sex is sex. Is, that's what it, but sex no, is but sex. I would still say that even when we talk about that as a bit of a percentage is, is that, yeah, I think I lean more to that side of it. That where I, you know, um, it it just feels more natural to me uh, mm. to be with a guy than with a woman at this point. And it's interesting that we talk about that. So um, something that we all talk about uh, here, and of course Terry and I have been very open about this, is how does sexuality ch- has sexuality changed for you 
since you've been on hormones for the period of time that you have. Well, it's two years, as, as, we've, as we know. As we know. It's, I, I know, and it's only two years. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it has definitely changed. Um, um, I, think I, I'm think I, I think I think I'm more bisexual now than I was previously. So I've not, I've not been in any relationships at all since my previous marriage ended. So, you know, since 2010, 11, around that time, I've not had any kind of relationships with anybody. That's um, a long time. That's kind, of a, that's kind of a deliberate thing on my part because I didn't want my transition to kind of get in the way of having a relationship. You know, so I've not really met anybody new as yet that I could, that I think I could have a relationship with. But, you know, I don't think I'm strictly one way or the other. I think I'm probably bisexual. Too big a term. Right. It's interesting, uh, you know, and so many people that we talk to, especially after, say, um, even in hormones, and that is one thing. But after GRS, it's even more significant, I think. Um, in mm. how that, oh, that yeah. Uh, Get your body aligned with your mind. Yeah. But it, I mean, it definitely does affect the mind. It's true. Yeah. Um, do, you, so, do you plan on having bottom surgery, Vicky? Um, yes. Not sure when, because it's very expensive, obviously. Mm-hmm. If I was to wait for the NHS, who knows how many more years that's going to be. Yeah. You know, So it's already been two, and I've heard nothing from the gender identity clinic. Mm-hmm. So by the time I get in there and then have to go through that process and you know, then start to get into the waiting times for surgery, with the NHS, we're probably looking at another five years from this point. Right. Um, Going privately for that kind of thing, it's you're looking mm-hmm. at thirty thousand, you you know, British pounds to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's not something cheap. It's right. um, thirty thousand pounds. Thirty thousand yeah, pounds. That's you know, you can go. You obviously you can go to the Pi Institute. You you know what? And uh, again, I think we've I've talked about this before on the show too. We've got Dr. Brassard in Montreal, twenty five thousand yes. Canadian. Yeah, I mean, there are options overseas. I'm talking about within the UK. That's the, typically the price you you pay. Um, there may be some cheaper options. I'm not sure. But uh, come yeah. come to the problem, US. The you can have it done for about twenty twenty two. Yeah, thousand so, dollars US dollars. Yeah, so. US dollars. The, the problem the problem with going overseas though is if you need to have any revision surgery, you've then got the additional expense of going back, and mm-hmm. you know it, it soon costs soon mount up. You know, I know so. but. But when you talk about thirty thousand pounds, Canadian uh-huh. dollars, that's a lot. There's a significant difference there in costs, and for a flight across the the, the pond, I think it's about seven hundred bucks, right? So you know, I mean, obviously, you know, when you take a look at it, um, you know, there there at least you have different options that you could take a look at, especially if the pressure comes to a point where you need to make change. Yeah. And who you are, where your development is, yeah, right? Thirty thousand pounds yeah. is forty thousand U.S. dollars. Yeah. Yes. And you can get it done here for half that, 20, yeah. 20 grand. Yeah. So that it's it's a big difference. And the other thing is too, um, the one good thing that at least you have, uh, Vicky, is you've got a Canadian a, a Canadian citizenship, which will yeah. allow you to yeah, be, really. you know, looked upon in a different yeah. light than if you were just a, a citizen traveling from overseas and getting could she could she get it through the canadian system 
Nikki? Well, she is, needs is to be actually a resident. Resident. Of, so she has to be a resident of, but, you know, I mean. Uh, yeah, it, I think I would have to reestablish residency in one of the provinces and then take it from there. I'm not sure I could just come in as a Canadian who's not resident and right. get access but, to the treatment. Probably but, not. No, no but no. Yeah, I think if you let's let's look at it this way. Um, so looking at all sides of this coin, um, you were to come over, you were to have something done, say something, uh, there was a bit of a complication or something. At least in Canada, you would be taken into a hospital right away because you're a Canadian citizen. You would not have to pay for that. Everything would be okay yeah. and taken care of and done. So I think that's one of the biggest worries that a lot of individuals have traveling overseas, getting, oh, yeah, absolutely. getting yeah. Uh, uh, something done is if there is potentially a complication, all of a sudden now, like, I mean, in the U.S., you're paying exorbitant amount of money for hospital care, et cetera, et cetera, which can be really damaging. But at least if you took a, an, op an option of potentially coming to Canada and having it done, at least you know that you would be safeguarded in that respect. So something else to maybe take a look at. Yeah. So the Canadian option is, is definitely one I need to look into. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm, st I'm still kind of waiting to see what's going on with the U.K. system at the moment. Interestingly, I've recently been invited by a new gender identity clinic that's just been set up in Manchester called Indigo. Is Ooh. it private? A private it's one? Called, no, it's a, it's an NHS one, but it's really? it's one of three new pilot schemes that they're introducing. Um, this is not by the current government, as they would have you believe. These have been in the in the planning for years, but um, the one in Manchester called Indigo is um, it, rather than going to an actual facility for the for the, um, the sessions, I believe this one's going to be based in GP surgeries within Greater Manchester. Mm. So it's you know it's a little better, and it's been designed and it's going to be run by some trans people as well. So it seems like a really good new way of doing it, and I've been invited to move from my current uh, Sheffield GIC to this new one and hopefully that will reduce the wasting time for myself. Right. Whether it's that would be nice. To, yeah. I mean, whether it's going to be as good as it sounds is still yet to be determined. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to be calling me within the next few weeks to have a chat and right. to explain it off to me. That's, so, yeah. It, I mean, it, it could get me in there a little quicker. Um, and the service may be better, and what they provide may be better, but it's all it's all really right. unknown at this point. Well, so I have to weigh that up compared to waiting probably another six months to get into the Sheffield right. GIC. Yeah. And who knows which is better at this point? I don't know. Yeah. A um, couple of things that I just want to say too. Uh, Donna has just mentioned that she's got 25 days to uh, bottom surgery if mm -hmm. COVID doesn't mess up again. <laughs> so uh, congrats. Yeah. And, our, and our friend who just, we have, Nikki and I have a friend that, that lives near me here in Alabama. She just had hers done this, this week, this, this week past well. Monday. Yeah. And she just got in under the it's cutoff. COVID. Jamie said that the surgeries have been cut off. Right. Because yeah, which is which is brutal, and I mean, obviously, COVID is causing a lot of other things. And another quick comment here, um, you know, with all the negativity around the UK, what's going on, um, especially obviously with the, uh, you know, everything that's being um, pushed forth against trans kids and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. 
it is nice to be able to hear a little bit of good news that maybe there are some potential options of NHS uh, specific clinics that are being set up um, to be able to maybe help that. So uh, fingers crossed that this continues to move forward in a more positive way, um, at least yeah. in that regard anyway. I mean, obviously, we're, st- we're everybody is totally and completely against the fact of what um, you know, has occurred and happened with trans kids and the blockers and everything else. Oh yeah, and they're going to they're going to go after the adults. They're not they're not going to stop. Yeah, but the, it's, but it's, this is a, it's kind of an interesting thing because when we look at all of the you know the issues that are going on in the UK right now against the trans community, and then to hear this potentially going on is maybe a little bit more of a positive light at least anyway. So you know, fingers crossed that you know there's always light at the end of the tunnel, and we always have to continue to hope and be positive that there yeah. can be change. But, I mean, the UK yeah. has been sliding back over the past oh, couple yeah, of years. They've yes. gone from being number one in Europe for LGBTQ rights to number ten. Yeah, we're slipping down the chart. Definitely, you are slipping down the chart quite significantly. So we all, we always yeah. need I mean, to be, you know, cognizant of that. Yeah, it can go backwards anywhere yeah. you are. Well, I think anything well, is going to shift back and forth. It, just the way it is. One slightly good piece of news, which is coming out about this um, GID um, blocker case, is that. Although, the, although this ruling has been made, they're, they're not allowed to enforce it yet because it's going to be an appeal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, GPs, et cetera, are still allowed to prescribe, even though they may not be doing so through fear. They are allowed to whilst the appeal's going on. So that, that could give a bit of an extension to people to, through to March, April, um, after which the appeal will go through and we'll, that'll go into up to the Supreme Court problem. So mm. right. it's, it's not the, you know, it's that, that case is not over. It's still being fought. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome that, you know, an appeal has been made because that decision they made is just so erroneous. Yeah. It's just well, so it erroneous. Is. I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, Talking and about there needed to be a control group for all this. It's like, uh, I'm a control group. I went through, yeah, natural pu- puberty as a trans kid. It didn't fix me. It didn't fix me. There's thousands well, of us that it did not fix. And so. I mean, you know, when we talk about it, and everybody knows my story too. Fuck, I went through conversion therapy, and I went through electrical shock treatment, and I went through the whole fucking deal at like seven years old, six and seven years old. Uh, yeah, worked really well, didn't it? No, not really. You know, so again, I mean, obviously they have to, uh, you know, it, 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 once again, they base all of their statements on non-factual information. They just throw mm-hmm. it out there. They, you know, slander, they slice, they, uh, they, they hit us with hate. They look for one case and use that yeah, as I mean, strength it's, against it's one case. It's one case and what they should have done, that one yeah, individual one should one, have one detransitioner one uh, detransitioner yeah, that, that individual should have should have sued the hospital that was involved exactly and dealt, and dealt with it as a as a one issue case you know it's not mm-hmm. there was no need to bring all this extra nonsense into it i mean it's you know the thing that's really distressing for me at the moment is that some some kids who have already been prescribed and are on taking blockers are now having that stopped Mm-hmm. So think of the trauma associated with what they're going through. Yeah, just, know, it, it's like none of that matters. It's like none of that matters. It doesn't matter what evil will be fostered upon these kids who are already 
you know, transitioned at school or socially living as a gender they identify with, have been on blockers for a couple of years, and they're, you're just going to strip it away and make yeah, them go through. Yeah, and then they'll through. start to go through unwanted mm-hmm. puberty, and then later on they're going to have to have additional medical help to rectify it. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. so the, the cost, the cost to your health system will be more, yeah, just, will be greater and it, it, because it, of what they're going to do to them. Well, and the, yeah, the biggest part and the scariest part of all of this is, is, uh, you know, the potential, you know, well-being of these kids. Um, this, you know, what's the suicide rate going to look like? Like, are we going to be on suicide watch with a whole ton of individuals because of the fact of this ruling? And yet they turn around and state, oh, we're doing it for the well-being of the children. Bull <laughs> fucking shit. You are placing individuals in mental states that could create loss of life. Take the fucking responsibility for that. But they don't. They only well, focus I mean, you, on what they see. Yeah, you have to look at the, who, the people who are behind this. The team of lawyers, the, you know, one, of them, one in particular, which I won't mention, but he's also been involved in a lot of kind of um, anti-abortion, anti-women's rights yeah, typical. issues in the States. You know, they're, gonna, they're probably going to go after abortion for... Oh, yeah, the whole, con- the consent thing, you know? the whole consent yeah. thing. Yeah, everything. Yeah, the Gillick, yeah. Gillick consent, all that. I think they're going after all that next. So, oh, yeah, know, this, this is just, just a stepping a, stone for them. This is not just a trans issue. They're using the trans issue as a wedge issue well, to, you know, like, um, you know yeah. to, to go further with their agenda. That's what well, it's about. And it's the same thing in the same way that most other countries do it, too. They bring the most biggest, hottest topic at the very top of the agenda and make it all hype it up and everything else. And then they try to pass 62 other things underneath that they don't even mention about, right? Oh, let's cloud all of this up. So you're absolutely right. I mean, obviously it has a whole array of things that it will affect when these particular laws start to pass. But I mean, just the aspect of like, you can strip a teenager of the consent to their own medical care just on this one issue, but it's okay to consent on everything else. Yeah. I know. It's, it doesn't it, make any it, sense. It, it's, it's totally ridiculous. So, yeah. So, anyway, Vicky, uh, another thing that I wanted to quickly bring up um, with, with people, because I, I know kind of what you're involved with now. Obviously, um, you, uh, you are an engineer, um, you know, which is fantastic. Uh, really going to show that trans women can achieve a lot in their lives and, if, you know, and moving forward in that. Um, tell me a little bit uh, or tell us a little bit about you know, what's going on in your corporation uh, in regards to diversity and inclusion and where do you stand on that kind of stuff? Well, I do work for a large uh, UK defence company, engineering firm. I won't mention which one, but it's pretty obvious. Um, So, yeah, I'm an engineer. Um, Currently working on some US programs, actually. So, I mean, in terms of uh, diversity and inclusion and how they handle trans issues, they, when I transitioned, which is about a year and a half ago at work, um, they had a policy called the Transitioning at Work Policy, which was really well, uh, well written, and it, Stonewall had helped to put it together for them. So it was, uh, you know, it's a very well written policy. In, in recent weeks and months, we've been updating that policy, and it's now been renamed to the Gender Identity Policy because it now includes. Um, non-binary non-binary individuals, mm-hmm. yeah. which is a really good improvement so 
about a year and a half ago, there was an opportunity for me to get involved with the company's employee resource group that deals with LGBT issues. So there was an, there was an opening for a kind of like a voluntary position within there, which I applied for. I got down to the last two, but I didn't quite get it. I think the reason I didn't get it was because the other person was more kind of known amongst the others. I was kind of the new person, the other person had been there much longer than me. So, I mean, that didn't really set me back much. What I did instead of taking that, I took a different position, which put me as a site champion for LGBT ERG group. And I'm also a diversity and inclusion champion for the site as well. So at my particular location, there's about three and a half thousand people work there. So I'm one of three DNI champions and I'm the only LGBT person on site. Wow. Well, re representative on site, not right. person. Right, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we've been dealing with lots of little issues that come up and we've recently started to get some changes through, which is really good. You know, there was, there was, they had a policy around how do you update your details within the employee system if you want to change your name or change your gender or title. And there was a kind of a block against people who were trans to change their uh, gender marker within that system without producing a gender recognition certificate, which can take, you know, at least two years to get. You know, you have to have been, you know, in transition for two years before you can get it. Um, so we've, we've now had that changed so that it can now be based on just the fact that you've got a depot or you've got a new driving license or a new passport. So you can now change it. You don't have to go through this process of producing a gender recognition certificate that not everybody has anyway. Right. You know, so that's a, that's a big improvement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's uh, other things that are going through around how, um, bathrooms and changing rooms are accessed. They're, they're currently, we've got male, female um, toilets and changing rooms. And there's, you know, under the Equality Act, anybody can use them who identifies with male or female. But there's a, there's a bit of a question around what do uh, non-binary non people do in that situation? So we're trying to, we're trying to make both the male and female toilets and change rooms totally inclusive of trans and non-binary people by including in those rooms, you know, things such as sanitary disposal bins, um, vending machines for sanitary products and other products, mm -hmm. you know, so that a trans man going into the men's, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's, there's stuff in there for them to use. Right. And vice versa. So, you know, it's little changes like that, practical things, which are making a big difference. And, you know, we have a big list of things that we're working on. And getting getting traction on these things is not always easy, but if you persist, you know, contact the right people within the organization mm -hmm. and make sure that you don't, you know, you're not, you're not just joking around, this is serious stuff, we want to change things. They do come around eventually and they, they, you know, they will agree with you and start putting things in place. So we've been doing that for a year and a half and starting to make some progress now, which is really good. Well, that's awesome. I mean, obviously, because you yeah. do work with such a huge organization, it's nice to see that uh, these organizations, although the political powers of be are seeing it in one way, organizations are still pushing forward in change and yeah. acceptance levels. And I think that's critical because really politicians come and go. 
Um, but it's truly what is lived and individuals like you that are able to make policy changes like that. I mean, you know, good on you, girl. Really happy that you're in the position. Yeah, so, you know, it's chipping, chipping away at the block and yeah. little, little micro changes eventually gets the bigger changes through too, you know. So we've also been trying to get the company to sign up to a trans rights or human rights statement that's been put out by Stonewall. And they're kind of resisting that a little bit at the moment, but we've got meetings planned to talk about the reasons the blockers, they feel why they can't do that. So yeah, why can't they to, do that? I mean, it's like yeah, pretty obvious. The very simple yeah, thing, trans people really are the humans. Excuse, yeah. The reason they give, or the excuse they give, I should say, is, uh, oh, we don't do that kind of thing. Well, you know, maybe it's time you did. Did, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, we're trying to, trying to work with them to understand what reasons they have for not wanting to do it and see if there's any obvious blockers that we can eliminate in that process. Right. So they can feel more comfortable in, in saying we support LGBT people publicly. Because mm-hmm. I, think, I think there's a bit of re- reluctance in the company to make a public statement on those. Yeah, because they fear backlash. They, they, think it's, they, they think it's about politics, but it's not. It's about human rights, really. No, exactly, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. So, you know, yeah, but you know, with with the press y'all have in the UK, with the constant barrage of anti-trans <laughs> articles yes. that have it's occur again and again and again and again, but and the platforming of these people is yeah. mind-boggling. But I I think it's yeah. imperative too, though, that you know, like what Vicky's doing and in the organization. I mean, it's a powerful organization. It's a huge company. And that, that's what we yeah, need. But they, they see all these articles and they see the backlash yeah, but, that occurs from society over there. And that is why it is yeah. political. Oh, it is don't political. don't want to but, sign but on it, to such But a in turn, if these organizations start to step to the forefront, making it public knowledge that this is what they, their policies are, that's the way you're going to make change. Agreed. You know, and having huge corporations say, no, this is crap. We need to move forward, Right. Um, I think, and that's how it, how truly it will make change. No question. I mean, that that's how it's kind of occurred in the United States. That companies are seeing that the diversity in their employees is really great for the bottom line, and so well, here in the states, that companies have become really have become our ally when our government has gone in the other direction, and mm-hmm. of course, money talks, and if you get well, enough companies on board. It changes the government. Mm-hmm. Well, one, one of the things I think that's extremely important as well, and when you talk about that, Terry, um, you know, when we take a look at the youth and everything, and obviously the youth that are coming up, you know, the, the teens, the 20s, and even, even, even in the, uh, the younger 30s and stuff, I mean, there's a lot of great talent, whatever areas it might be in that your profession is, there's a lot of great talent. A lot of these individuals are starting to look and saying, well, when I go to work for a company, I want to make sure that they have diversity and inclusion there, okay? And it's something mm-hmm. that I think that's critical. Mm-hmm. So companies have to be aware that truly the bottom line is the recruitment for the future of the organization is depending directly on what policies are being at the forefront and what's happening in that regard. So I think, yes. again, I think it's the larger organizations mm-hmm. that need to come forward at the forefront and realizing that there is a, well, here you go. Some of the best coders, software designers, guess what? They're trans. I mean, yeah, 
you take a look at I mean, it. Like, a, yeah, Lynn, Lynn Conway, who just go. got an apology from IBM about a month ago for yeah, firing and, and her how many decades ago. Decades? Yeah. Jeez. You know, so again, I think it's uh, it's truly at the forefront of that. Um, so I'm going to change topic just a bit. Um, Vicky, I'd like you to kind of now you have you went through an experience um, and kind of at the lead here. And I think you know where I'm going with this one. Um, Vicky, please tell us about your spa experience on your holiday with your family God. and how that all went down. Talking <laughs> of the wonderful British press. Yeah. Um, so about a year, it was actually a year ago mm-hmm. when we had a, uh, an annual family holiday planned for a, a large, uh, I'm not sure I should mention the name, but it's a large UK company that has holiday homes where you go and it's all inclusive and they have kind of lots of adventure things you can do. I won't mention the name, but um, I think everybody will know what it's, what it's called. It's in the it's all in posts and in the newspapers everywhere. So don't yeah. worry. <laughs> so yeah. So I mean, it's public knowledge. It was Centre Park. It, it so is. Yeah, yeah. So I, before we went on this holiday, I thought, okay, well, I better just send them an email and just check what their what their policy is is on trans people using changing rooms in their spa area because I normally, whenever I've been there, I've always had a treatment in the spa. So you know, this this would have been the first time I'm going you know, as me, and I wanted to know what the policy was, so I sent them off an email, and I got a reply saying, oh, well, you know, only those people who have been through the transition process completely, like right through the process, can use the female changing room. So what they're implying there is that you've had to have had Mm -hmm. surgery before you can use the bathroom or changing room. So, you know, that's in direct conflict with the Equality Act. So we went through this um, series of emails back and forth asking about, you know, can you explain what your policy means? What do you, how is this reflective of the Equality Act? You know, trans people are perfectly entitled to use changing rooms and bathrooms, mm-hmm. which matches their yeah. identity. It's, it's the law. <laughs> it's the law. We have it's, protect, law. it's a protected mm-hmm. characteristic within the Equality Act. So, you know, unless there are some really, you know, important reasons why that can't be the case, there are some exceptions, you know, the law has to be followed. So this went back and forth for quite some time. And at some point I got um, quite annoyed with this, as you can imagine. So I got in touch with Pink News and they, they, they published an article on it with my story. And it kind of went a bit crazy in the UK because all the other Newspapers picked it up, and it was yeah, it was it was probably in about nine national newspapers across the country. So, wow, yeah, it was quite an experience, let me tell you. And it, I mean, it eventually got resolved by me getting in touch with a barrister who offered to, you know, help me out pro bono, and um, with her help and with some other people's help, put together a nicely worded letter. And within about 24 hours of sending this letter, the head of uh, customer relations was calling me. And we, we went through the, you know, all, the whole case and what the law is, how it's supposed to be followed, et cetera. 
And at the end, they agreed that they were wrong. They apologised. And they said, you know, you're very welcome to use whichever changing room you want to, which I did. And everything was fine and normal as it should be. So, you know, on the day I went, it was, it was just perfectly normal as it should be. Yeah, non, it's just a non-issue. It's just a right. non-issue. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just, yeah. But so I mean, you know, we we avoided going to court. We avoided all the legal expenses of doing that. Mm-hmm. They backed down in the end. They apologised, and you know, hopefully they learned something from it. They did. They did thank me for bringing the topic up in the end, and you know, helping them to understand it. So hopefully that's made some changes, and other people who may have experienced that won't. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I think good, uh, good, good, yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the risk that, there's, there's some big risks with these kind of legal cases because oh, yeah. if you take them to court, you know, you could lose, you could set a precedent the wrong way, and yes, you know, yeah, it's you have to be very careful what you do, and mm-hmm. you know, it can get very expensive. We're talking fifty, sixty thousand pounds expensive, you know, so mm-hmm. very expensive. Yeah, that's but, why you want yeah. one of the civil right groups on your side right. and yeah, hopefully definitely. provide legal aid and they take your case on and all that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would always, I was always advise people if you can resolve it without legal mm-hmm. expense, try to do because, you know, you'll still get your victory. But yeah, it's a, it's a very much a win-win if you can yeah. do it that way. Yeah, a win-win. A win-win is a good way of explaining. Mm-hmm. explaining. Yeah, and, yeah, and I mean, you've set the groundwork now that other individuals that are trans and non-binary now can feel much more comfortable potentially going into this situation. As well, the staff and hopefully policy has been now, you know, changed in this yeah. uh, holiday, uh, you know, organization so that it does reflect it that others will be feeling safer when they go to these locations and they'll feel more comfortable about being able to go to these locations. So I think and again- Hopefully, hopefully it's gone you know, towards, you know, that company producing some nicely worded policies. I hope so. I hope mm-hmm. so too. It would it would be almost interesting yeah. to follow up and just say, hey, I just, you know, uh, just to see- Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, just yeah. put yeah. myself hopefully, in for the holiday. Yeah, go for another holiday yeah. and see, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, that's fantastic. See, I mean, and then when I actually got there and used the changing room, well, inside the changing room, there's a private cubicle anyway, so you can use those if you want to. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like, what? what is the big deal? No one yeah, what is, is the deal? seeing you. Have a, inside yeah, the, like, inside uh, the changing room, there's a private cubicle for anybody who wants to use it for any reason. So, yeah. And I can guarantee you, any trans woman who has not had bottom surgery is going to want to yeah. use that cubicle. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. that's the last thing any one of us want anybody to see. Of course. Is mm-hmm. our bottom anatomy. Yes. It's like, exactly. really? No, no. But I mean, no. we don't even want to see it. Why do we want to show it to <laughs> yeah. everybody else? I don't want to see it's it. Like, I don't want to see really? it in the mirror. No, I mean, I don't want anybody else to see it. Not, you know? not, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. It, uh, I don't know. They, they think we're just marching in there, parading our anatomy all around, waiting for the first vulnerable woman to attack or something. And, yeah, and there have been zero, totally zero cases, re- zero cases zero case of that. Yeah. Of it's, uh, it's a ridiculous argument based on fear. It is. Mm-hmm. It's fear mongering. It is fear mongering. Yeah. It's always their number one way to go at us. You know, it always has been against any marginalized community. It's always fear mongering. Mm-hmm. It's so far from reality that it's mm-hmm. just not funny, you know. It's like yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Definitely. And how so many people believe it? The delusion oh, so, is so deep. Yeah, it is you know the the, um, the backlash to all this was mm-hmm. that I um, 
I updated what happened on my um, Twitter page. And the, the, I'm not sure, you've, have you heard of Mumsnet? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they had a couple of threads going on this topic of me going into centre parks. And, you know, it was a, a huge thread on there. It had over a thousand comments. And, and I'd, been, I'd been on there too under a different name, just a made-up name, you know, trying to defend myself. So I took great pleasure in updating them that Vicky Hodges had gone to Centre Parks and everything was okay and the company were fine with it. <laughs> and then I revealed to them, by the way, you've been talking to Vicky Hodges all this time. And they didn't like that on the mum's net, as you can imagine. Oh, no. There was, <laughs> there was a huge kind of backlash on there. How dare you? Yes. Yeah. How dare you be an you imposter know, really... and come on here and tell us the truth and show us true facts? <laughs> yeah. My gosh, a, we can't a, have that. I think what happens on mum's net is there's, like, there's a hardcore of gender critical mm-hmm. turfs who kind of patrol the comments. And anybody who's not saying something they like, they, they kind of pounce on them. And uh, yeah. yeah, it seems like a very deliberate thing that they do on them. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, for sure. Yeah, it's so. Um, so I want to I want to change the con- the 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 direction here a little bit. Going to no. a different direction. Yes. Um, one of the things that you haven't talked about, Vicky, at all through our conversation today so far is family acceptance. And how did you come out to family? How did that kind of occur and happen? And what did it happen? Response. Well, it doesn't always I mean, happen, but you know, it doesn't always yeah. happen. I'm very, I'm very, very fortunate in the fact that my family were totally accepting. Every single last one of them was totally accepting, and I, I, and that's I was, awesome. It is. I awesome. wasn't sure that was going to happen. I was quite concerned about the fact that that might not happen. You know, a lot of friends of mine don't have that experience at all. They have a totally opposite experience, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'm very fortunate that my family was so accepting of me. I mean, to get, to get me to the point of being able to tell them, I spent several months chatting with Nikki and going through, you know, Nikki's kind of, um, uh, what, what would you call it, Nikki? Your life coaching process? Yeah, my it? therapy coaching consulting process, if you want to call it that. I, yeah. I call it now, I have, I've got the new phrase for it now. It's called Theracoach-salting. Okay, that's bizarre. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. That's weird, that's yeah. But that's my new my new tag. I mean, it's really maybe, maybe come out with a new tag because that sounds weird. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 life coaching <laughs> thing. I mean, it really helps mm-hmm. you to identify within yourself why you can't do something, what's blocking you from doing it, fear. and then you kind of come up with fear. Usually, fear. It is and a root, kind of root cause. With, it's always a root cause. Yeah, but yeah. then you come up with a strategy of how to kind of get around your fears and mm-hmm. you know get rid of your fears and then be, you become empowered to be able to do what you do mm-hmm. it, i found it a really useful experience to go through that with nikki's help and uh, that's how i ended up being able to tell my family and coming out to work because you know nikki kind of she doesn't do it for you you know no. you kind of you do it together and it kind of you, you come up with your own method of dealing with it and getting through it uh, it's, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, cool. And it seemed like it was really good too. Um, like you said, that you've had all the acceptance from everybody in the family. 
um, which is yeah. actually, to be honest, like Terry said, extremely rare. Uh, it's extremely <laughs> yeah, rare. to get it from everybody. I know so many trans women have person. lost contacts with their kids mm-hmm. permanently. I think, I've, you know. I think I've only lost contact with two friends, one, one in Canada who um, just kind of stopped talking to me once I told him, and a friend in the UK who was kind of didn't want to be associated with trans people because other people might think that she was trans, which I thought, well, you know, (laughs) I don't think I really need to keep this relationship going. Yeah, it's like, nice to have known you, bye. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. We we don't need any more shit in our lives. No, so, you know, I think... You're not going to support me, you're not a friend. Mm -hmm. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, so just a couple of friends kind of, I don't, you know, I lost along the way. But I've made so many new friends you know, that's the thing to think about. You might lose one or two friends, but you're going to gain a, a huge family. Right, yeah. A family that you choose rather than mm-hmm. you're a member of. Right. And then, and so that's, that's your personal side of it. So give us a little bit of an indication of what it was like uh, when you first came out at work and how people responded and how, you know, maybe kind of the dynamics of that. Well, I mean, once I... Once I kind of plucked up the courage to go ahead with that, and what I did was I approached the company's um, ERG, the Employee Resource Group, which covers LGBT people, and what they did was they, they have a gender identity lead, and she's in a different site. So she found somebody at my site who could act as an ally for me, and she checked with them first, would it be okay for you to talk to somebody in your site about being trans? And they said yes. So I then kind of approached that ally and said, hi, it's me. And then we then we approached HR and we discovered that, oh, there's a policy for this. So we followed the policy. And it was a really it was really a smooth process. I mean, there's a, I don't think that I actually used the policy before. I think I was the first one to use it at our site. But... Um, yeah, it was very it was very smooth. There's a few issues with IT things still, you know, that take a lot of sorting out because they just don't have the system set up to make the kind of changes that you need to do when you're changing first name and last name. Because most people only change the last name, they don't change the first name. So, you know, the whole IT issue is problematic, but eventually got through it pretty much. Um, but in terms of acceptance with my team, yeah, they were. You know, everybody, every single one of them was really welcoming, accepting, mm-hmm. and you know, the first week I was in work as me, I was getting uh, some of the girls in the office were kind of giving me scores for my outfits each day. You know, so that was really <laughs> fun. Uh, uh, you know, I got, I got some nines. I got some nines and tens, so that was really nice. You know, nice. Yeah, that's great. That's kind of fantastic. takes away your fear and. Yeah, um, these people really kind of have accepted me, yeah. you know. So. Women, yeah, women are great. They yeah. are. The yeah, acceptance totally one right. gets as a trans woman from other women. I think, you know, these, these are really young colleagues at work, you know, in the mm-hmm. trans, I'm in my 50s. So yeah. they've, uh, they've kind of adopted me as Auntie Vicky, you know. Yeah. Which is kind of cute. That is nice. That is really that, nice. That, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So... Um, obviously, your company is uh, quite diverse in multicultural areas. Um, 
Did you find any any individuals that were maybe a little bit put off by it or had difficulty? Bigots? With it? Any bigots come out of yeah, the there's, dark? Yeah, there's one or two. One or two people did struggle with it. But, um, you know, I think it was probably a little bit of shock and a little bit of they've never experienced it before. They've never met a trans person before. But I, I don't think any 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 individuals who kind of were a bit weird about it, it didn't last for more than three months. You know, after that initial three-month period, everybody was okay, everybody was fine. One person stopped talking to me and then started talking to me again. So I think it was just, it wasn't really anything to do with me. It was just them kind of working through, you know, oh, look, there's a trans person. I've never seen one well, of those before. Right. You know, so it's, it's kind of, it was more about them accepting yeah. it than anything. We, we are rare. We are rare. We are. Yeah. We are. I mean, for the attention we get, especially oh in the gosh. UK press, yeah. you would think we are overrunning everything. You know, and I, I, I think yeah. I believe, too, that, you know, we see all of this, this political bullshit that goes on, all of these groups that are against us, the turfs, everybody else. And, of course, people that have never met a trans person, per se, get this thought in their head. It's not that they're bad people, okay? But they get their thoughts in their head because they hear all of this bullshit, okay? Until they finally meet one. And then it's like, hold it, wait a minute. You're nothing like what these idiots are saying over here. You don't have a third eye in your forehead. No, or a tail you know, or cloven hooves or, you know, spit well, fire. I've hidden it under my... <laughs> oh, okay. That well, we do appreciate that. Okay. Well, thanks for that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does yeah. add to the makeup routine, but you know. You know right. Yeah. Exactly. She's three brows. Oh my gosh. That <laughs> brow, two brows is hard enough to do every morning. Three brows. <laughs> but, yeah. Those those eyes at the back of your head as well. You have to do those. Oh things. yeah. So yeah. Hiding the yeah, tail in the sure. pantyhose is for sure. Hell. You know. And I think I think so. Again, I think it's at the forefront there when uh, you know, and like you said, it was for a few months. They probably had to adapt. They probably had to realize that it was like, hold it, wait a minute, just another person. There's no real yeah. difference here, right? It's and you get a, they get acclimatized to you. All of a sudden, it's like, well, nothing ever changed. You know, I, I just tell them it's the same person inside. It's the same person. Nothing's changed. It's still the same bad jokes. It's still the same <laughs> yeah. miserable person who's not had the coffee in the morning. You know, nothing's changed. It's just... I, we, I, I think, you know, we do change, Vicky. We become more complete. People, we be, I think we people get a complete yes. version yes. Yeah. of us rather than the yeah, facade. more genuine version. Right. Yeah. More yeah, genuine, I mean, living, more whole. Just... just we become better people the all the way around. Makes you a lot happier person, you know. Mm -hmm. You're no longer having to lead that double life. Right. It makes you happier. Yeah, yeah. It does. And so you mentioned too, do you find yourself more outgoing now? Oh yeah, much, much more. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, so you kinda you kinda went from the total on in introvert to uh, being much more, well, not maybe much more extroverted, but at least a little bit more extroverted in the fact of you're being comfortable with who you are and being able to express yourself. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever be as extroverted as you, Nikki, but I definitely, yeah. <laughs> there, there is nobody that's as extroverted no, as Nikki. No, I, I, I haven't run into too many people like me, uh, which she, is probably she is a on a level thing. unto herself. I was going to say, yeah, it's probably a good thing. Uh, I don't think many could handle many more of my type. Uh, you know, so it's it's probably a good thing that way. So, yeah. Uh, 
any words that uh, and and things that you could say to somebody out there that's maybe potentially words in of the process or concerned of or still in that realm of not coming out? Any advice that you can give or suggestions or thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, for anybody who's kind of still in the closet and egg or scared about coming out and and you know doing something about it, I would I would say. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand the fears. It's all fear. It's basically okay. fear of, it's fear of the unknown. It's fear of rejection, fear of, you know, losing your job, losing your house, losing money, all those things. That's that. I think that's the kind of the where the fear comes from. But I can reassure you that you, there may be a lot of negativity online, but in the real world, there's very little. Yeah. I've had very it's much little, much better in the real world. Yeah, I've really had very, very little negativity in the real world, mm-hmm. you know, apart from that incident. Yeah. But, um, but it makes you wonder where that, you know, a lot of us don't experience the negativity that we see online, on Twitter, Mumsnet, elsewhere, mm-hmm. in real life. It's like, where is this coming from? If we're not seeing it on our daily lives... Well, people hide behind the screens, yeah. don't they? They hide, Spewing, they hide behind, you know. and they're anonymous, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They can say what they like, there's no repercussions. You know, you can't do that in real life. Mm-hmm. Some people so, do. Well, yeah. some people do, but the percentages are quite small in regards to yeah. that. But I think I think mo- the majority of most people that I've ever talked to that come out, finally do the transition and everything, all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is not anywhere near as bad as what everybody was making it out to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mine was the know, same way here in know, deep uh, South Alabama. Oh, and I mean, you yeah. know, the one thing that we talk about too in fear when we talk about it, and I mean, obviously a lot, of, all of this is generated by fear, but always remember, and that's the one thing that I try to mention to people all the time is, is that with fear, it not doesn't necessarily think it, mean it's a bad thing. Fear can mean that you're getting ready to do something that's going to be better or that's going to be more exciting or that you hope it will be better hope it will be better yeah you can but based on percentages that i've found most people when they they get over their fear they find out that on the other side it's so much better and that's not even just in that's not just transition that's in numerous things in people's lives but you know it's that fear that holds people back from making change Oh yeah, it's the fear. You know, if you if you don't control your fear, your fear controls you. Yep. Is it that yeah. that simple? That's what I've told people too. It's like your fear world, and I've told my son that. It's like being afraid controls you. Mm-hmm. You don't control so I, it. I think it I would, controls I think you. I would, advise, I would advise someone to okay, yeah, there's going to be some fear, mm-hmm. but you can work through that. You can eliminate your fears by examining, you know, what the root cause of those are. And coming up with strategies to get around them, but and also remember that when you do come out, there's a huge community of people out there that will be helping you and supporting mm-hmm. you through it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah you, you don't really, transition alone. That's for no, sure. You don't, you don't transition no. alone. No, some people will have a really difficult time with it with family and friends, but again, that's not you. That's them. That's their issue. It's not your issue. Mm-hmm. You know, you may you may lose people. Yes, um, that is. That is an unfortunate part of it, but you know, hopefully, as those people you've lost, you know, learn themselves, they'll come back. They'll realize that they've done something wrong, and uh, yeah. well, you know, come back into your life at some point. 
Yeah, and I mean, obviously, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they do definitely, um, and that's one of the things too that I've I I I firmly believe in that fam- that uh, family is not just blood. No, family, family is chosen. No, a lot of family is chosen. Is chosen, mm-hmm. you know. And I yes. mean, when we take a look at it, I think the trans community is is uh, for the most part. Um, very much family. We always all support ourselves and everything else. There are some that we've talked about that maybe not so much. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we have, we have some black sheep. In the we do, but it, like in every every community, there's going to be black sheep. There's going to be individuals that are going to fight yep. back. And, you know, one's, do things. Ones that voted for that. Trump over here, for instance. Yeah, but you know, but overall and in general. I mean, I don't think I've ever met, you know, the majority of the people that I've ever met in the trans community, it's the first thing they want to do when they finally are able to be themselves and, and that they want to help somebody else right away. Oh, yeah. The giving, giving right back. In, that what can I do? What can I do to move the movement forward? What can I do for community? What can I do for others? Um, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why um, I really, truly believe that trans people are extremely strong, very open-minded, very accepting of everything around them, so long as it's not obviously to do with hate or any of that sort of stuff. But again, um, I think it goes a long way, uh, and the community is fantastic. I think it's probably one of the most tight-knit communities. Oh, yeah. We, we all become an activist to one degree or another. Yeah. I mean, look, look at you, Vicky, and what you've done at your company. Sure. And, and what you did Huge. dealing with Huge. that spa. You yeah. know, none of us really want to become an activist to a degree, but we no, see. No, I mean, it just kind of happens because that's mm-hmm. what you're dealing with, you know. So, yeah, it just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So improve, improve, improving your own life helps improve all the others that come after you. Yeah. And, and surprisingly enough, you know, when uh, we as trans people, we don't realize the amount of other people that we actually touch out there. You know, right. we may consider or do something or talk. I mean, in, in, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, people will follow you, for example, on social media and you won't even know who they are, or what they're about or anything. But you are doing something significant for them. You're helping them move forward or you're helping somebody else maybe understand themselves a little bit better or whatever the case may be. So yeah, or they get inspired by you or by your transition and where you've been and what you're doing. Um, yeah. I, I get comments like that, and I'm like, "Thank you." I I don't know why you are, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I mean, just just doing this today. I mean, this hopefully people will see right. this, and it helps to answer some of their questions, maybe. Yeah, and they you see know, you, so, and yeah. they hear about what you did, and they're like, "Okay, well, I can, I can, I can." Yeah. Yes, you can be trans and successful mm-hmm. in your job, and have a perfectly yeah, yeah. and have a good life. life. Yep. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's one of the things that people have to realize, too, is that all of these individuals, uh, you know, the turfs and everybody else are so far against us. I'm sorry to say, but there are many of us who are, you know, Mm -hmm. successful in our jobs. Mm -hmm. We pay our taxes. We, uh, you know, we do some pretty incredible things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at. Yeah. For the most part, we just want to live our life and love who we love and leave us alone. Yep. Yeah, just go on our merry way. <laughs> Straightforward life, and uh, mm-hmm. just like everybody else, we're not just done. like everybody else. Amazing, yeah. it's an amazing thing. We just would like that, just like what everybody just, else wants. Just, just like everybody else. Gee whiz, gosh golly! Yeah, what a, what a novel concept that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You were sure. 
for sure. So, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, uh, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today, uh, Vicky. You have me on. are an really inspiration. In yes, thank you. It's good, good to talk to you. And, you know, making break, you know, breaking ground in your organization and continually making change. Uh, you know, um, our community is much better off having you in our community. So we very much appreciate mm-hmm. that. And yeah, thanks for doing what you do over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for having me on. It's been great. I've enjoyed our discussion today. Yeah, I just hopefully we can continue with these things and make even greater yes. changes, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, no Good. question. So you keep keep yeah. doing what you're doing. Keep doing you what will. you're doing. Uh, definitely we will uh you know, reach out again and uh you know, somewhere down the road we're gonna get get you back on the show and get some updates mm-hmm. and find out what's going yeah, on sure. and what's changed and that sort of thing. And uh yeah. I mean, all of the best to you, Vicky. We, uh, yes. again, very much appreciate uh, everything and uh, having you come on the show. So uh, that's it for Trans. And thanks, everyone, for watching out there for, for all your comments and stuff. Nobody had really a question no, uh, but for Vicky, but uh, thanks for, for being here with us and watching. Yeah. So, again, thank you so much. Uh, if you do watch this again, uh, and I know we usually get a whole ton more people watching this after uh, our live show. Um, but if you like, just do hashtag uh, replay, or if you want to have any other comments or anything, please do so. Outside of that, uh, it's uh, it's still the weekend, so have an amazing weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy yourself, and uh, you know, uh, biggest thing that I want to give and take away is uh, be real. You're valid. You're loved. Be true to yourself, and be outside, authentic. Be authentic. So be authentic. outside of that, have yourself an awesome weekend, everybody, and take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to Trans Talk Raw. This episode has been brought to you by transgenderlifecoaching.com. Please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Time for us girls to party. Join us again for our next episode of Trans Talk Raw.